0: This is the Finamize Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Donmez.
1: There is still a bit of unknowns. You know, we had West, for example, which slumped more than 20% in a single session after it suffered uh, deposit outflows. Uh, and Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, uh, said that there could be more collapses on the horizon. Uh, so it remains a key risk for markets, and it certainly could be a wider uh, risk for the US economy and beyond.
0: In this episode, I'm joined by Victoria Scholler, Head of Investments at Interactive Investor. We discuss her big picture macro view, calling inflation in the US, another rate hike from the Bank of England, and some top picks for UK investors. I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, Victoria, great to see you again. First question I always ask all my guests is, what's your big picture macro view right now?
1: Well, if we're talking about the UK, of course, inflation remains the key sort of discussion point. Um, Price pressures are still above 10%, which is at odds with uh, the US and Europe, where we've seen inflation rates start to come down. Obviously, that's been a major driver of the cost of living crisis. And it might mean that the Bank of England will have to continue raising rates. Um, We had growth figures uh, which were disappointing for March, although the UK has managed to avoid a technical recession. And a lot of the most dire forecasts from last year from the UK have actually been wound back. So uh, from that sort of low base, things are looking a bit brighter, um, but growth is still very sluggish at the moment.
0: Right. Yeah, we'll definitely talk Bank of England and forecast later on. But um, in terms of you know the things that are really dominating, let's say, investor sentiment and Um, maybe a little, uh, well, a little bit, a lot of worry um, that's been that's kind of passed is like the regional banking crisis. That's, there's been a lot of kind of casualties there, three major ones, that's kind of died down a little bit, but we're not sure about, like, you know, whether that rumbles on or not. And then the debt ceiling crisis, let's say, that's approaching on on June 1st, these are like two quite big worries for, for the US economy, but obviously could have kind of global ramifications. So Like what, how do you, how should investors think about this? How do you think about these two things? Um, It'd be great to, to get your point of view on this.
1: Well, I think the mid sized US banking sector turmoil was one of the big unknowns that's punished the sector and has caused a lot of concern, both about the knock-on potential impact for the US economy and indeed uh, the wider global economy. You know, a lot of European banks like Barclays or Lloyds um, in the UK and others on the continent uh, have also been punished by this turmoil. And of course, we had the near collapse of Credit Suisse and its rescue deal from its crosstown rival UBS. Um, and while a lot of that uncertainty has shifted to the rearview mirror, there is still a bit of unknowns. You know, we had Pac West, for example, which slumped more than 20% in a single session after it suffered uh, deposit outflows. Uh, and Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, uh, said that there could be more collapses on the horizon. Uh, so it remains a key risk for markets, and it certainly could be a wider uh, risk for the US economy and beyond. Um, in terms of the debt ceiling, um, this is really turned into a political event rather than an economic risk. Although if the US economy were to default, of course, that would have huge ramifications, uh, not just for the US economy, but also for global markets. Uh, but I think the two sides are playing chicken. Uh, the Republicans desperately want to try and um Leverage this to their advantage, um, and Joe Biden is feeling quite strongly the other way. Um, My guess would be that there will be an eleventh-hour deal. Uh, You know, we've seen this sort of brinkmanship happen many, many times before, and we've never actually seen a U.S. default. So the hope is that they will come to some kind of an arrangement, uh, and that would be a major relief for markets. I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's brilliantly said. I think the the scary thing about this, when you hear debt ceiling crisis, is There is uh, a probability, and I think that's the worrying thing, is it's unlikely to happen in in reality. But we've seen, let's say, one-month Treasury bills, which basically – Um, Mature just after now because we're in kind of like uh, early to mid May. After that, X date, which is on the on June first, when Janet Yellen, so this is not just anybody, this is the Treasury Secretary, has actually said we could literally run out of money uh, as the US, and this can have like massive ramifications. We're also seeing credit default swaps as well from uh, the US one-year credit default swap spike above emerge some emerging market country. So. Markets are a little bit wary, and even Jamie Dimon, I think, was speaking to Bloomberg yesterday and was saying, "Look, we've got a war room. We put together a war room that's meeting once a week, but as we get closer to that X date, it's going to be more like three times a day." So, I think people are really uh, kind of taking it seriously in terms of how like investors and like our, the retail investing community should think about this. Um, is this, re- is this realistic or should they be worried? Should they be buying like some some hedges or is it something that, you know, stick with, stay invested and just c- kind of ignore it to, to some extent?
1: I think our general ethos is very much centered around long-term investing. Um, we don't really think about sort of trading events Um, our customers aren't sort of jumping in and out of the markets uh, every day they're not day traders particularly Um, we really believe in in sort of a long-term investing And that's also why uh, we think that regular investing is so important. So, you know, putting a set amount uh, into funds or ETFs or investment trusts or single stocks uh, on a monthly basis, because that can smooth out your risk. And it also allows you to uh, remove yourself from having to actually time the market, which is something that can be so, so difficult. And we know that emotions can get involved because it can be very easy to hop on the bandwagon after a big rally. And it can also be... Be very easy to sell um, in a panic state when we see markets going down. Uh, so that's why we really believe in regular long term investing to smooth out that risk rather than sort of event trading um, and trying to guess um, unknown events that are extremely hard to predict like the debt ceiling um, and, and others
0: yeah absolutely stay calm stay invested there's always something to worry about as an investor so this is just another one of these things there's a pro- uh, probability or a possibility but right now that's pretty low so you know let's let's monitor it and i think you have to be a political expert to understand it anyway so uh, which is what we are not so um we're just gonna wait wait and see on that um back to the kind of macro we obviously had a, a relatively let's say cool inflation print uh from from the U.S., which was very welcome, uh, welcomed by markets, came in four point nine percent year-on-year, uh, month-on-month. Inflation came in at 04 point four percent, and core inflation came in in line as well. So it was a very like in-line report, but the headline obviously came in. Um, just lower than expectations, which shows that the US is like really making progress now um, on on the inflation. So what was your kind of key reading on that? And we obviously had Jerome Powell speak recently as well. Um, What's the outlook now uh, for inflation and then rates? And we can transition later on into the Bank of England and the UK economy. And there seems to be some sort of divergence there now. So what's your take on all of all of that?
1: Well, in terms of markets, I think it's worth just reminding us that spiralling inflation and that aggressive rate hiking path from the Fed last year was what was majorly responsible for the tech wreck and uh, the broader volatility that we saw for US markets. Um, Now, there's been a lot of optimism towards the fact that inflation in the US is starting to cool. It's now dropped below that key psychological 5% level. So we're much, much closer to the 2% target than we've were say, uh, a year ago. Um, We also had a very strong uh, US jobs report, or better than expected, should I say, um, again, again adding to that sense that uh, the US economy is remaining pretty robust. I think there's quite a bit of uncertainty about whether or not the US will actually tip into a technical recession. Some are talking about a short, sharp recession. Others are saying that with the recent data, actually, we might avoid a recession altogether. Um, So the macroeconomic fundamentals are going in the right direction. Um, And of course, we just had the Fed that raised rates again, um, but signaled uh, that it could be on pause going forward. Um, So that headwind of tighter monetary policy is cooling and possibly even ending for a while, given that we could see that hold uh, with no the potential for no further tightening uh, in the coming months, which um, certainly has been dampening investor sentiment and weighing on the major averages stateside.
0: Yeah, I think um, with, with the US, it's We've seen pretty buoyant markets and they've kind of been front running that at least pause or, or rate cuts. Um, and that was like what one thing I definitely um, I wrote about this week was now Goldman Sachs and Barclays and I think BlackRock have always been in this camp, but they're now very much betting against rate cuts, which is actually very different from the market pricing, which I think at the time uh, there was writing about three days ago, it was about three rate cuts by year end, probably now about more 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 like two. Um, But I think that's definitely one bit of divergence is um, will the Fed just stay on hold now and keep it there or will they will they cut rates? I think what we need really is something to break, right? We saw the regional banking kind of uh, sector break, arguably, and now it's kind of gone still rumbling on, but we haven't seen any more breakages, let's say. Um, what's your kind of take on that? Do we do you think we need something really to break in the US to see rate cuts? Or what's your kind of outlook for for that monetary policy? Do you think they'll just keep it on hold for a bit?
1: Well, I think it's worth saying that a pause isn't necessarily a guarantee. You know, um, Fed Chair Jay Powell sort of suggested that we are at the end of this rate hiking cycle. But we actually had comments from um, Fed President Williams who said that they're going to be driven by the data and that it's not a dead cert that this is the final rate hike that we've already had. Um, So that kind of leaves the door open for the potential unlikely outcome that we were to see another rate rise. But again, the central bank will continue to be dependent on the data. Um, You know, if we were to see um, inflation spike up again, which is unlikely, or if we were to see a significant um, improvement in all of that data, uh, then it could embolden the Fed to go further in terms of tightening. Um, So I think it's just really worth being, paying close attention to all of the data that comes through, particularly inflation, but some of the other indicators as well, particularly in the labour market, which can have those secondary effects on inflation uh, through higher wages uh, and in turn higher prices.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And very, very well said. I think um, if we look at equity markets also, I think they've been pretty, pretty resilient and big tech's done pretty well. And I think we've had a, let's say, not as bad as feared earning season yet again big tech kind of dominating um so that's kind of kept uh, indices pretty pretty buoyant it's just now what happens if the economy weakens does you know the tech sector for example is there cuts in spending on those kind of things, and um, that might leave the market a little bit vulnerable? But definitely, the inflation picture is is, is proving pretty uh, a positive, let's say, um, state side. Now, transitioning to the UK, which is probably not not the same story, um, we obviously had the Bank of England raise rates again by twenty five basis points. Um, inflation's falling, um, but um, the the chair said basically that the risk is still skewed to the upside. They massively upgraded the growth forecast, as you kind of previously mentioned, with no recession, which is pretty unbelievable considering what they forecast before four consecutive quarters of of negative growth. So they've changed their tune a little bit there, um, driven by, I guess, energy bills. Um, but rates are now you know upwards of, of 4%, 4.5%. What impact does this have on the UK economy uh, and markets?
1: Well, I think in terms of the Bank of England, unlike the Fed, there's likely to be more rate rises ahead, given that inflation is stuck above 10%. So it's more than double where the US is. Um, Our inflation is taking a lot longer to come down. Um, There's a number of factors behind this. Firstly, um, we've been struggling with food shortages that have sent food prices up because of uh, difficult weather conditions in Spain and northern Africa. Uh, We have lower taxes on gas compared to our counterparts on the continent so we're more exposed to wholesale uh, gas prices and then of course we've got the worker shortage in the UK uh, since Brexit Uh, so that's giving workers more bargaining power and ability to uh, achieve higher wages um, and and get those second round effects uh, on inflation. Also, interestingly, we have heard time and time again in recent months that UK businesses have been putting prices up. uh, So that can lead to more prolonged inflation and it's something that the Bank of England has warned about um, which has sparked criticism towards the central bank um, because there's the argument of what a business is meant to do when their profit margins are getting squeezed they almost need to put up prices and and the same is with wages Uh, when the Bank of England has suggested that workers shouldn't demand higher wages well we're in a cost of living crisis and what are they meant to do quite frankly when they're offered a pay increase but these second round effects can create more entrenched inflation. Um, And that's the conundrum facing the Bank of England that it wants to raise rates sufficiently to bring price levels back down to a more manageable level without accidentally tipping the UK into a worse economic situation and possibly even a recession. Um, But even as we approach the peak of the rate hiking cycle, and as inflation starts to come down, with forecasts that it will quite dramatically this year, the Bank of England said this week that it's expecting inflation to halve by year end, Um, that could potentially provide a tailwind to markets. As you mentioned before, markets sort of front run the economy, Uh, they move in anticipation of what's going to happen. And that's been reflected by the stock price appreciation of some of the house builders like Taylor Wimpey or Persimmon, which have done pretty well lately, um, sort of anticipating that we're heading towards the peak of that rate hiking cycle. Um, and the potential for that pause could provide a tailwind to the sector um, if we're to see some of that pressure on mortgage rates uh, alleviate going forward.
0: Yeah, that's I'm um, so glad you brought up mortgage rates because we had some really uh insane stats really. Um seven hundred thousand households in the UK last month defaulted on either a rent or mortgage, and two million defaulted on a rent, mortgage, credit card payment, auto loan. It's you know, getting to some really, really big levels now. Um and obviously, with the Bank of England raising rates further, there is obviously long and variable lags with this monetary policy that, you know, potentially, uh, you know, could have further damage on the economy. So it's one to, to, to watch definitely um, for the economy. Um, but in terms of UK earnings season, um, we talked a little bit about Kind of U.S. earning season that was pretty pretty resilient, I would say. Uh, I think earnings per share, fell you know, in the single digits, let's say, um, but not a disaster. Um, but that that index, particularly the S and P and Nasdaq, are dominated, obviously, as we know, by Apple, Microsoft, big tech. Um, but in the UK, we have a kind of a less tech heavy, let's say, index. So how do, how has the UK kind of earnings season fared so far? Is there any really standout um, uh, kind of positive up, uh, upside surprises? And also on the downside, what's your overall sentiment of of that uh, earnings season?
1: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that sort of lack of tech stocks within the UK market. Um, and that's why some say the FTSE 100 is the Jurassic Park index. Um, but that's partly why um, the UK large cap index was resilient last year amid that major sell off that hit the US tech sector uh, and global tech stocks. Uh, but in terms of earnings, you know, the banks have held up pretty well. Um, they've been benefiting from that rising rate environment. But interestingly, to your point about uh, mortgage rates, we have been seeing those banks set aside larger provisions for potential bad loans. Um, So on on the one hand, while that rising rate environment is a tailwind for the banks, it's also highly correlated to the macroeconomy. And a weaker economy could have the potential to weigh on the sector as well. <clears throat> I think um, the UK clearly is lagging behind the US um, in terms of earnings, but also in terms of valuations. Um, it's also been lagging behind the DAX in Germany or the CAC 40 in France, really, since uh, Brexit, the FTSE 100 pretty much flat over the last five years, um, whereas some indices in, on the continent are up 20 or 30%. Um, and you know we we recently saw that Paris overtook London to become the Europe's most valuable stock market. And interestingly, we've seen a whole host of overseas private equity giants setting their sights on UK targets, partly because of this valuation discount, and also because of the weakness in the pound. Um, now, we have seen the pound make a bounce back lately. Um, which perhaps suggests that time is ticking if they want to make the most of that FX advantage. Um, But I think that the UK at the moment is the go to destination to sweep up undervalued uh, stocks um, from from private equity giants, either in Europe or the US.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, and maybe just on that point. So, what kind of sectors are these private equity firms particularly looking at? And then, also on the uh, on the footsie side, what sectors maybe maybe some top picks or um, you know sectors that you think may do pretty well uh, going forward?
1: Well, I think that the house builders is a really interesting sector at the moment, you know, they've already been rallying. But if we continue to see this dynamic of uh, falling inflation, um, interest rates coming to their peak, and the potential for improved growth, uh, this sector, which was beaten up pretty badly last year, particularly around the turmoil with the mini budget, which sent mortgage rates soaring, um, we could potentially see um, more upside for that sector. Uh, but we have already started to see that to come through to some extent. Um, I think the banking sector is interesting, although a note to proceed with caution. Um, you know, we've had uh, uh, all that volatility uh, amid those reverberations from the US banking contagion. Um, and a lot of these stocks are now starting to look pretty undervalued. Of course, it's going to be a bumpy road ahead. Um, but if we are to see those macroeconomic uh, fundamentals improve, um, then that might help those banks to recover from their lows. Some of them are down, you know, uh, 20% or more over the last year. Um, so we could see some investors start to look at those unloved stocks again.
0: Yeah, really, really really interesting. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to end it. Um, thank you so much, Victoria, for, for your time. And yeah, we'll have to do this again.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you.